make every night legendary. Guys, we've had some pretty legendary nights, but we've also had some nights that weren't so legendary. The non-legendary nights are done. Tonight is gonna be legendary. Jordan. What's up? What's up, brothers? And Calvin. Yo, yo. Back again. Yes. He's <laughs> a very busy man. Sorry about very that guy. He has the <laughs> same amount of wives as me and half the children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless there's something we don't know. Uh-oh. 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 There's only one that knows it all. <laughs> well said, Calvin. Well said. <laughs> you just got to look up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to have you back, Calvin, uh, with us. It's yes, a good time to be back. A lot going on in the NBA besides the NBA playoffs kicking off. We got a lot of little drama going on in Tinseltown. So we yes, can... We can start off with that. The whole Magic Johnson, L.A. Lakers fiasco. Earlier this week, Magic Johnson stepped down from his post as president of basketball operations to, as he put it, become Magic Johnson again. He felt like he couldn't truly be who he wanted to be. Magic Johnson for years has always been a mentor for guys and was able to talk to any number of NBA players when and how he wanted to. Uh, when he was surely an ambassador for the Lakers, uh, was no longer considered tampering at that time. But once he took on the helm of vice president of basketball operations, any interaction that uh, took place with any other NBA players, with other organizations, uh, could either be tampering or suspiciously looked at as tampering. So Magic said he wasn't feeling that. He wanted to go back to being Magic Johnson. So the question I have to you, gentlemen, do you buy it or not? The way I look at it, <clears throat> I don't, I'm not buying it. And I'm going to tell you, I think uh, all of this, LeBron may have something to do with it. You think you, you look at and LeBron is really good at controlling the narrative and making it seem like as if he has nothing to do with the things that goes on. But you know who the real GM is. It's LeBron James. So you got all these head honchos. You got Magic Johnson. You got, wait, wait, you got all these legends. You got Magic Johnson. You got LeBron James. And then the other legend, the, so there's three greatest Lakers of all time, arguably. Magic Johnson, now LeBron, and Kobe Bryant. Who did Kobe Bryant bring to the Lakers? Rob Palenka. So if he brought Rob Palenka to the table, you get all these all these big heads kind of going at each other. I think it's a power struggle, man. I think maybe at one point, Magic, yeah, I think he did feel like, you know, he probably wanted to go back to just, if he wanted to give a player advice like Ben Simmons, he could do that. Um, but also, I think that a lot of decisions that might have been made or that was carried out, LeBron had an influence in Magic and didn't want nothing to do with that. So at the end of the day, I mean, if he was so close, 
He said he was so close to Jeannie Buss, like they was brother and sister. You know, why do it the way he did? You know, I don't buy the whole, oh, she would have talked me out of it. We would have been crying. It would have been a sad song. Man, please get out of here. I don't believe that. <laughs> when, Ma- when, when Magic came down with HIV positive, you know, he let everybody know first. And then he held a press conference. This all of a sudden, he does it right before the last day of the season. I don't know. Man. It's too many. There's too many variables for me. And my, my thing is, if it was just as simple as, you know, hey, I just want to go back to being me. I just want to go back to being the good guy. You know, I don't know. I, I think he was planning on firing Luke Walton, and, and, and he probably didn't want to do that either. So there's a lot that went on there. I mean, we really don't truly know, but I don't buy it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in the same camp as Calvin. I, I have some of the same thoughts. I think Magic Johnson bit off more than he could chew. Uh, going in, I thought that he probably felt felt like, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm gonna, you know, carry my 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 weight with my name, my legacy. You know, being in L.A., being probably the greatest point guard to ever live, and that's going to carry me over into this job, this responsibility. But at the same time, he probably didn't realize just how much. He had to do in his position, you know, from what was said, he didn't really show up to half of, you know, everything, you know, he didn't, he didn't really put his all into his job as much as he should have. And, you know, winding down, I agree. There are probably a lot of things that we don't know from the outside looking in that the media doesn't, isn't aware of as to, you know, what, what kind of caused the breakdown. And why he kind of diverted, you know, or, or uh, sidestepped Jenny Bus and you know other people on his way out. Uh, that was that was kind of weird. I, I just felt like there's something that we just don't know uh, that that was going on. Probably was festering for a while. And uh, he was like, "Hey, man, I ain't got time for this. I'm Magic Johnson. I can just leave." And sure enough, he did. He did it on the drop of a dime. He, he, if you are our best friends with, you know, Jenny Buss, you wouldn't leave her out there to dry like that, trying to figure out, okay, how do we pick up the pieces? No, you know, you would, you would come to her, you would do what you had to do, be a man. And I, I agree with Calvin. I don't think it was, oh, I'm, I'm scared to talk to her because I don't know if she'll talk me down off the ledge and now I have to stay and all this other stuff. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in full, uh, I don't believe that either. Uh, however, I do believe that he probably didn't realize just how influential LeBron was. Maybe he thought that because of him and who he is, he didn't he wouldn't get swayed or there wouldn't be a lot of uh, issues as far as decision making and, and button heads and who's the man and who gets to do what. LeBron is his own entity. And there are going to be a lot of people that's going to soon find out. I bet you down the road after he's gone from playing basketball. And it's going to come out some some fashion or form just how much he he has a, a say in things and the 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 chaos that he even creates despite being one of the greatest to ever pick up a basketball. I just think that he causes issues everywhere he goes, whether it be with the coaches staff and Luke Walton and David Blatt and you know that whole line of coaches who are very respectable in their own right can carry their own weight and it just seems like LeBron always has an issue with somebody that's trying to tell him or be the head over him he he doesn't do well with authority he is his own authority and that that has butted a lot of heads even with his teammates and that whole fiasco with Anthony Davis so I just think that Magic was like I'm out of here I find it interesting that 
you have, first of all, let me say this. Matt, uh, LeBron James is not one of the greatest Lakers ever. But I find it interesting that you have Magic Johnson and you have LeBron James. And LeBron James has now been the catalyst for Laker fans to hate Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. Do you understand what Magic Johnson has done for the town of L.A. on and off the court? And you literally have Laker fans now who have a distaste for him because of the way this whole fiasco so far with LeBron has played out? Yeah. That's that's some strong influence, man. And it's, it's a shame that it had to happen. But ultimately, what we're dealing with here is, is egos right now. And Magic Johnson truly being the person he is. Magic was never known for really having a big ego. Yeah, he got a coach fired. But he's never been known for having a huge ego like that. You know, he, he knew he was the man on many occasions, and he's rubbed some people the wrong way throughout his life. But in his later years, Magic doesn't have a huge ego. But all, by all accounts, the things you hear about Magic is he gets along with everybody. But I think what this truly ends up being is this is the aftermath. This is the in, the, in that blast radius from the Anthony Davis failure. Right. And the, the interesting thing of this is you have Dale Demps who lost his job because of this. And then you have Magic Johnson who also may have lost his job by extension of the same thing. So you have, you have, upper management from both organizations who lost their job because of this. Because players wanted to make a power play, specifically LeBron James wanted to make a power play, and it didn't go the way they wanted it. So yeah. while people people may relish the fact and rejoice in the fact players have more control, and that's fine. That's fine. And we're starting to see a shift in the dynamic a bit with players gaining a little more control. But now, you know, you had a situation where you had a guy trying to force people's hand and they didn't want to to comply with that. And as a result, the guy who tried his best to do what he could with what he had, being Magic Johnson, and the guy who wasn't going to be bullied, Dale Demps, they both lose their job because of the pool and the, the attention and the fiasco that LeBron James and the drama that he brings with him and he brought with him to L.A. It's a good point. You know, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, that, that fallout did have something to do with Magic, you know, maybe thinking to himself. But you know what? Also, too, Chris, man, you look at the fact that I think a lot of these GMs maybe don't like Rob Plinka. I think, that you know, the whole idea behind, you know, uh, you know, Lakers getting everything, you know, I think all these GMs kind of came together and was like, hey, listen, don't you dare trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers. We'll take care of you on the back end. But don't, and, and this happened before, right? Remember, this happened when Chris Paul was supposed to go to the Lakers. And they, they added that, that deal. And what they do, they rewarded the New Orleans Pelicans with who? Anthony Davis. So they didn't trade Chris Paul to the Lakers, but Chris Paul went to the Clippers for a bunch of pieces. 
and Eric Gordon. And they had a record that allowed them to get the number one overall pick and that ended up being Anthony Davis. So don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if next year or heck, even this year, I wouldn't be surprised if this year, man, if they found a way to make the Pelicans be a top three pick as reward for not trading Anthony Davis. This is what the NBA does. It's all about creating a narrative. It's all about creating a story. It's all about thinking about the Cleveland Cavaliers, how they got all those draft picks after LeBron left, and then it allowed LeBron to come back. It's all about a story. And I honestly think, low-key, those GMs came together and was like, listen, we do not want Anthony Davis to go to the Lakers. LeBron doesn't get his way. Don't make it happen. And Magic knew. The people are questioning what what Magic has done as far as the team is concerned. He's made some questionable moves, just like any uh, upper management basketball. And, and no one knows the exact structure, uh, positional structure, and, and job description that they had. But in general, in general, the vice president or president of basketball operations isn't the one doing the scouting. They aren't the one at the games. Rob Palenka is supposed to be at the games. His scouting crew is supposed to be at the games. So when people say, well, Magic didn't go to the games and watch players and watch prospects, in general. Now, who, like again, again, I say, who knows what the, the Lakers' hierarchy is and, and job descriptions, but that position in general does not demand that. That's a Palenka thing. So I, it, it makes me wonder why you know, people were, were questioning that. And then, you know, Magic probably thought he was going to get a lot done off of the whole Magic Johnson. He, you know, Magic Johnson is a is a, a a very positive cat. You know, he's, of course, we know he's very deeply involved in, in the business world and has been very savvy in that regard, been able to get things done by putting the name Magic Johnson or something and showing off, you know, the, the billion-dollar smile. So... When it came to doing that, he thought maybe that would transfer into his dealings with general managers and, and front management in the NBA. And it just didn't work out that way. Magic wasn't able to smile his way into some deals where, you know, you may have had guys like Calvin said, you know, we're not giving LeBron his way this time. So him being yeah. Magic Johnson meant nothing to people anymore. And now he has to pay for not being Magic Johnson. All those pieces, and they offer all those pieces that that was claimed. They offer. I mean, I think most teams would have took that, knowing that Anthony Davis is walking. So my thing is, like I said, I, I truly believe that it was a conspiracy against the Lakers to not be great. And that's what it is. They don't want to see the Lakers. It's envy. It's 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 L.A. It's it's glamour. It's Tinseltown. I think it's envy against the Lakers to be great. And they got LeBron. And they got Magic. And no, we're not letting you control the league. You know, we control the league. We're the managers. Yeah. Right. I, and and LeBron's uh, candle is kind of flaming out anyway. It's kind of going out because obviously they are younger, more. Uh, fresher bodies in the league that are kind of taking the league by storm. You know, I would say LeBron maybe might have another year of being eh, the face. If you want to say he still is the face, I'm kind of debating on that either, you know, too. Uh, but LeBron's, you know, sway in the league isn't as powerful as it used to be just because he's getting older. He's on his way out. Maybe they're, they're, they're turning in, you know, a, a different and, and going in a different direct direction with that. Uh, 
I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, you know, Calvin. I, I think that, you know, they're not trying to have somebody who's, you know, kind of past the prime in, in a sense trying to make decisions and kind of setting himself up for more glory and more runs. You know, you're not just going to get all the little toys that you want every single time you go to this team and you go to that team. You know, you are not the the king of the NBA. That's not happening. And you also have to consider as well, you know, Calvin brought out the fact that a lot of guys would have took those deals. I mean, personally, I wouldn't have. Yeah, Anthony Davis had to go, but Anthony Davis at the time had a year and a half left on his deal. So there was no immediate pressure to move him. Now, if this was to happen maybe next season, yeah, you probably take that deal because you're running out of options. But you had a full you had a full off season coming up. You have a full, you know, part of next season coming up. And if Anthony Davis uh, wants to diminish his trade value and not play and lose, you know, lose some of the skill and things like that, so be it. Yeah, you hurt yourself a little bit as a franchise, but you're looking at it like this. You're not going to get market value for Anthony Davis, so you're probably going to fall off as a franchise anyway. Yeah, good point. You know who serves well for, though? Who does bowl well for is Boston. I mean, even though Anthony Davis, I think the report said that he doesn't really want to go to Boston, but then when he was interviewed, he said it doesn't matter where he goes. But think about it. After, I think it's July 1st, they're eligible to try to trade for uh, Anthony Davis. They couldn't do it during the season because of Kyrie's contract. I forgot the the deal of it or whatever the case may be. But because of Kyrie's contract, they couldn't trade for him because of the fact that he's on that uh, Derrick Rose rule. You know, the Derrick Rose rule where he got that max contract after being an MVP and uh, first-team all-player and all stuff like that. Yeah. I honestly think this bodes well for Boston. Boston can't have the pieces to make it happen. Now, I, I do think, I do think, though, here's the thing. I agree that maybe Lake, the Lakers' offer wasn't the best. But as you know, as time goes on, man, that value of uh, the trade offer is only going to go down because he's going into his final year of the contract. So teams are going to be like, well, we're just going to wait to free agency 2020, you know. So take it or leave it, you know. I don't know. I, honestly, like I said, this, to me, it all goes back to, the league is telling them, don't worry about it. We got you. You're going to be a top three pick. The Bulls going to be number two. New York will be number one. That's it. Such wishful thinking. Yeah, um, I wish the Bulls go up to one. Brother, the dream. I'll take I, two or one. And you'll get neither. But if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans, <laughs> even even if, if your back's against the wall and a team, and team starts to say, well, we'll wait till free agency, every team can't afford that. Every team can't wait for that. So, I mean, he's still going to have a, a measure of value. I mean, if, if you were, by all intents and purposes, if you think he's going to L.A. and you're Boston, do you want to roll the dice and say, well, we'll wait for free agency? Or, or if, you know, if you're some other contending team that, that was looking to get him, if you're Milwaukee, who may have who've come up and talks a bit, you're going to say, well, we'll wait to see. What happens in free agency? No, you want to get Anthony Davis in the building now. Yeah, you're you want to get him right there. You're still going to give up some assets to go get him because you're not in. You're not in that that catbird seat to say, okay, well, we'll wait. There's only a couple teams that can pull that. Everybody yeah, else still has to give up some assets. But see, that's what I'm saying. Like, how many teams can actually pull this off? Well, I mean, think about what the 
reports say the Lakers offer basically the whole team, but Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, I think Kuzma was even included in that deal. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. None of these players are considered all-star level talent, but you look at Lonzo, he has the potential. He just been hurt. You look at uh, Kuzma, I mean, you know, I don't think he'll be an all-star, but he's a serviceable, decent player. And Ingram, you know, I, I don't know, I think this dude smoked weed every day, so that's what's, what's, what's stunned his growth, in my opinion. But uh, wow. I mean, he looked like, he, he like he smoked every day. You know, but that's neither here or there. But I mean, I'm just saying not too many teams can offer any kind of packages other than, you know, maybe the maybe the Celtics or, you know, even Chicago. But, I, you know, Chicago too scary to get into that fight. So, well, he's all but said he didn't want to be in Chicago. So that's, that's you can you can take that chance, but you pretty much be giving away assets. Yeah, you would because he's not signing a long term. But hey. You're going to get that that number five pick, and you're going to get you a Rui Hashimura or a Jared hey, Cole. What, what, you really on, think we're dropping? You really think we're dropping? Drop I'm it. telling you, Chris. You're at four. Yeah, five <laughs> drop it. Look, me, me and Calvin had this conversation a while ago about just this whole I, basketball conspiracy. I think the Bulls are actually set up perfectly. So how the theory, Chris? This is what I told Jordan. Let me tell you what I told Jordan. I said, so this, this is what I think is happening, right? I honestly believe the league already told the Bulls what they're going to get. They're like, look, we're going to set you up. We want Zion, John Morant, and R.J. Barrett to be in big markets. Maybe not R.J., but at least the top two pick to be in big markets. I honestly think the Bulls and the Knicks are going to get the top two pick. Zion has to be in a big market. And I think the Bulls is going to get that other pick, and we'll get John Morant, and I'm cool with that because he perfectly fits what we need. And honestly, I looked at the NBA draft lottery. You know how they show the NBA draft lottery on TV? But what they do is they show they actually show the selection of how they made the selections after the lottery. And they always show it on NBATV.com. And basically – what they're doing is they rolling the balls like a regular lottery, like you know, like you see on TV, and they call out these numbers. And some guy in the background, you can't even see where he at. You don't even know who he is. You don't know how he looks. He yells, "A team, number one pick, Timberwolves." They get Carl Anthony Towns. But who's to say that those numbers actually match their picks? And that's what I'm saying. I think they can swim this any kind of way they want because once those balls drop. They're going to say New York or Chicago, one or two, and the rest is history. Now, of course, this is just my theory, and it's a wishful theory, but <laughs> I think it's a legit theory. Now, now let me let me back that up with my own conspiracy, because there are some things that I heard recently, too. Uh, Zach Levine on the exit meetings, one of the things Zach Levine pretty much put a stamp on was the Bulls are – definitely going to make the playoffs. He said, with all the talent that is going to be compiled here next year, we're going to be in the playoffs. I know that for a fact, 100%. He booked it as if he knows something or as if he's like, hey, next year ain't going to be no more of this, 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 this crap. We got too many good players. Maybe he knows, maybe there's a potential other good player that, that is in, in the, in the, in the, that's coming in the coming months. 
All I can say is it is wishful thinking. Obviously, you know, me and Calvin are big dreamers, but conspiracies are real. Uh, and and we can't you know deny that conspiracies are real. I still think Derrick Rose is a conspiracy with him coming here. We're not gonna act like that didn't happen because they wanted him to come here. So the the powers that be in the NBA, I think that they do want to set up the big players to go into big markets. Now if Zion just so happens to come to Chicago with Chicago having an All Star game and the draft, oh yeah, that'll make sense. Or if we get John Moran, that'll be good too. It all adds up. You got the All-Star game coming 2020. And think about it. The Bulls was trying to tank. They were trying to tank. And then all of a sudden, they just stopped trying to tank. And they started letting Robin Lopez start every game. Think of the same thing they did last year. The league is like, yo. Same thing they did last year. Right. But it makes more sense now that they're the fourth team in the solution. And the odds are closer. 12.5 between 14% is not a big difference. So it realistically, they could jump to number one easily. You know, 12.5 compared to 14%. Um, so I don't know. I, this, is a, this is my conspiracy. I honestly think the league was like, yo, slow down on the tank and stuff. We got you. But isn't and then Zach Levine like went on. All 12.5? No. No, it's 14 for the top three. Uh, number four yeah. gets 12.5, and then number five gets five 10, gets I believe. 10. And then yeah, it drops 10%. like a percentage of Yeah. Yeah. Y'all ever, uh, have you guys ever looked at tankathon.com? Okay, no. Okay, so yeah. Check it out. It's, it's pretty it's much gives does Tankathon.com tell you that the Knicks are going to get the number one pick? <laughs> now, the Tankathon.com is no conspiracy. It just randomly selects what they think. It it just shuffles it up based on the numbers of work they could land. So it just kind of like it's a simulation of the lottery. But uh, gives you an idea. Hey, man. Hey, Chris, man. Wishful thinking, brother. Okay, don't don't try to shoot our dreams down. <laughs> Here's uh, the flip side, though. The flip side to this is, if things go the opposite direction, the Bulls can land with the eighth pick. <laughs> right, That's the exactly. Point. So, are you guys ready to get your Jerry Culver jerseys? Hey, man. I, I'm ready I to get my... Low-key, if we drop anywhere out of the top three, I wouldn't mind them taking a run at uh, either Darius Garland or uh, Jonte Porter. If it goes down to eight and you got your Ruiz and your Cam Reddishes out the way, then there's a guy at USC. And I told you about this dude a while ago, like at the beginning of the college season, and who might break out. Jonte Porter is a really nice talent. This dude was at the Drew League. He was the one that was dunking all on everybody and doing all these highlight reel plays. He went to USC, played for a year. Now, he's not as big named as all the other guys, but Donovan Mitchell wasn't either. And I called Donovan Mitchell when he was at Louisville. I think John Tay Porter might be that guy, just like Kevin Knox, who can come out of nowhere, and when he gets to the league, you can start seeing his full potential. Uh, so look out for that name if the Bulls drop like all the way down to where they've been drafting, like seventh or eighth, right outside the realm of those those top guys we've been talking about. But uh, my aim is is one and two, brother, one and two. Let me ask you a question, bro. Let me ask you a question. If the Bulls drop out of the top three, you know, because that's what we really care about, right? The top three, that's – you want yeah. a franchise 
significant player. If you can't get Zion, RJ, or <clears throat> John Morant, then, you know, you have y'all heard about these rumors from Joe Cowley? Basically, uh, Joe Cowley from the uh, Sun-Times, you know, he always got these controversial uh, reports out there. He's saying that the Bulls was in heavy, heavy talks with the Lakers about Lonzo Ball. What do you think about that? So you're saying trade the number four pick for Lonzo Ball? If the Bulls drop out of three, and let's say we say, hey, all right, Rob Palenka, we give you Chris Dunn, number four pick, give us Lonzo. Whoa, that's uh, that's. <laughs> now so I was like, with you wait, up wait, until wait. this time. Wait. I was, I was with you it, all the way. Lonzo fits perfectly for what the Bulls. <laughs> I know he. I know he fits perfectly. I know he I know he might fit perfectly, but you're talking about somebody that has not proven a single thing in the league yet, and now you're giving almost a top pick, one of the top picks for him and Chris Dunn. To me, Lonzo Ball is in the same category as Chris Dunn is right now. So adding Chris Dunn and number four. That that's that's too much. That's way too much. You that would be the stupidest move the Bulls have made. No, no, no. Okay, okay. So to your to your point, right? You said we trade if we if the Lakers were to trade away a player who hasn't proven himself. When is the last time the Lakers traded away a player who was also the number two overall pick who didn't prove himself and now where he at? You talking about D'Angelo? Brooklyn, baby. D'Angelo. I understand that. Falling. D'Angelo was doing his thing here in L.A. too before he left, though. He was doing way more than Lonzo Ball did before he left. He was doing the Iceman and the Ice in the Veins when he was in L.A. They just didn't like the setup, and they let him go. I I don't think that was a smart move on L.A.'s part. See, Jordan, if you're talking about just straight scoring, then, yeah, I get you on just straight scoring. But Lonzo does everything else better than D'Angelo Russell. Assists, rebounds, defense, steals. He does all that, and his his rank in terms of real plus minus on defensive point guards, they got him number seven in the whole league. So you got a player that don't even need to score. All he gonna do is dime Zach Levine. He gonna make Laurie better. Wendell Carter Jr. gonna come up, you know. And you got Otto Porter that's for some reason playing like he potentially could be an All Star. I don't think he will, but potentially being one. I mean. I don't know. To me, it's it's a dynamic. I mean, I know it sounds like a lot, but outside of the top three in the draft, I mean, who else could you really say you could build a team around? That's too much. There's a guy named Darius Garland. That's uh, from, uh, I believe, Vanderbilt. But you probably probably haven't seen him or done any homework on him. He actually got hurt halfway in the season. He reminds me of a Dame Lillard type. There are plenty of talent. Outside, there's plenty of talent outside of the top three. Now, it may not be off the charts or right off the back, just game changing team. You know, is just gonna you know take a take a huge uh, uh, leap. You know, outside of John Moran, Zion, and R.J. Barrett, possibly. But there's talent out there that is potentially better than anything you would give up. You know, to try and get Alonzo Ball. First of all, Alonzo Ball, I understand he can do a lot of things. He can pass, he can rebound, he can defend. All those things are great, but 
he also reminds me of a Rondo type. The dude, I, he has a very ugly jumper. He's not reliable when it comes to his shooting. I still don't think he's proven anything. For you to trade Chris Dunn and the number four pick, because you're not just saying, oh, we fell out of the top three and we went all the way down to nine or ten. You're saying we just fell out of the top three and now we have the fourth pick. So we bet we pair that up with Chris Dunn just to get Lonzo. I'm going to need more. I'm going to need more than that. If I'm the GM, I'm going to need way more than just Lonzo to, to complete that. I'm not doing that deal in the first place, but I'm going to need way more than that. I say you aim higher. Um, I am also of the mindset that if you get anything – Four, I, I consider, but anything five and below, you 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 trade out. Um, but you got to aim higher than Lonzo Ball, man. You're trading Chris Dunn in the four pick for Lonzo Ball, so you're potentially trading uh, Jerry Culver or or Darius Garland and Chris Dunn for Lonzo Ball. So you're trading two guys who could potentially be the same or better than Lonzo Ball for Lonzo Ball. So that's that's kind of I don't. I, I think. I think what you see in Chris Dunn is what you get. I think Chris Dunn has shown you his ceiling, in my opinion. I think we haven't even seen what Lonzo can be, and that's and that's what I, you. If you if you make that type of trade, you're doing it on the idea of he potentially could be Jason Kidd. You know, I, I don't. I don't look at him as. I think Rondo could be his floor. I think Jason Kidd could be his ceiling, man. And all he got to do is fix that jump shot. And, I mean, that could come with work. I mean, Derrick Rose fixed his jump shot. I mean, it's all about the work ethic. If he put in the work. But what you're doing is you're trading on the potential that this guy, they were saying Lonzo Ball was a potentially a generational talent when he was getting scouted before he got drafted. You know, I don't know hit that. And, oh, boy. But, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. I, I mean, if anything – I think it will be intriguing to see Lonzo with the Bulls setting up all the other guys. But that would be nice. It doesn't help you because you don't have to. The difference with Derrick Rose and Lonzo Ball is this. With Lonzo Ball, you don't have to honor his jump shot, but he's not quick enough to blow past you. When Derrick Rose didn't have a true jump shot, which he really didn't even develop until the last two years, but when Derrick Rose didn't have a true jump shot, you still had to honor him because he would blow past you even if you played back off of him. He still opened up passing lanes and collapsed defenses. Lonzo doesn't do that. So now you're taking a, the team who's one of, if not the worst three-point shooting team in basketball in the three-point shooting era, and you're adding a bad three-point shooter. So there, there's no... I mean, yeah, he could set up a couple guys here and there, but it doesn't make you any, in my opinion, any more of a threat because you're still not scoring from distance. You're just having to score in a congested lane. And he's going to congest the lane more for Lowry and congest the lane more for Zach Levine. But think about it, though, right? If you get le- three legit three-point shooters in Zach Levine, Otto Porter, and Laurie Barkin out on the arc, I mean, that's plenty of space. And Wendell Carter can shoot it from 15, 18 feet. You got plenty of space, bro. I honestly think, honestly, you wouldn't even be able to, like, clog the lane on the Bulls because you got three guys that legit can spread the floor. And then you got a big man in Laurie Market that's going to pull the power for it out. 
You know, there's only going to be one guy really in the paint, and that's to grab rebounds, and that's Wendell. You know, so. here's another thing. Here's another thing that I really want to put out there too. I'm very afraid if I'm the GM two, I'm not taking my number four pick, who could be a, a out the gate healthy player for somebody who was hobbled already as soon as they came to the league with injury. That's another issue that, like we've seen this, we played that narrative before with Derek, but Derek showed way more and obviously accomplished way more when he first came in. Lonzo has accomplished nothing, and he already's been hurt, you know, and and bruised and nicked up a few times. So I'm not with that either like you 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 also got to factor that part in too yeah he has the potential but can he stay healthy does he need to get stronger what is it that's that's making him constantly get hurt and not being able to stay on the floor i mean he had a freak ankle and he had a freak accident that, that i mean remember i t- i messed my ankle really bad on a freak accident too i mean that happens you know but think about it right so to your point right he's not proven true he's not proven however He's only two years, really one and a half, because he missed half the season. One and a half years into the league, right, or two. Who else was like that? There was another player that was drafted, like, number 10 or 11. I can't remember which, which, uh, where he was drafted at. Played for the Golden State Warriors. Had number nothing but number, number years. But think about it. If they were looking at Steph Curry as the next big thing, you think he would have just got – uh, a huge max deal. No, they gave this man four years, eleven million a year. You know, so and he had a sweet deal. But then he proved himself later on. You're betting on the potential that this guy could be what you hope he be. You know, right now he hasn't proven, but you're betting. Hey, if you could buy low on Lonzo now, it could it could pay off for you later. Otherwise, I mean, then let's just go into free agency and pick up Patrick Beverly or. You know, uh, maybe Ricky Rubio or something like that. You know, maybe a veteran point guard. I mean, that's boring. But, I mean, think about what you potentially could have. This dude can dime. I'm telling you, Lonzo can dime, bro. He's athletic. And he, he, no, he don't have the blow-by speed like that. But he, it's, it's quick enough where he can get past you. I mean, Jason Kidd didn't have blow-by, blow-by speed. He was fast. But he didn't have blow-by, blow-by speed. I just think that you're all the other point guards. Huh? He was stronger than all the other point guards. True, but at six foot five, you you think he can't get stronger? He could get stronger. And then I like the fact that he's no longer with Big Baller Brand, so now you don't have to worry about his, his father speaking for him in his all all the situation. Now Lonzo's being his own man, so now you got the idea that this guy could blossom because he ain't got nothing holding him back. He just got to get healthy. I mean. It's a gamble. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's not a gamble, but sometimes you got to roll the dice, man. So let me propose this to you. What does Lonzo Ball do that Ricky Rubio can't? He's athletic, and he can grab better. He can rebound better. He's taller. He's faster. Um, they they dime on the same level. I mean, Ricky Rubio can dime. They can dime on the same level. Uh, he's a better shooter. I know he's not a great shooter, but he. He's a better shooter than Rubio. Nobody's no, honor. I have no, a shot. Better shooter. No, Rubio's a better shooter. So you, if, you, if you're if you the Bulls and you go out and get Ricky Rubio and you keep your number four pick and you keep Chris Dunn as a backup, you're better off. Uh, if uh, uh, I'll take that over, over giving up a four 
if we're just comparing scenarios and that one that you just mentioned versus Lonzo for Chris Dunn and number four, then I'm taking that all day. That's a, a safer uh, a net to fall on if things don't go the right way because now you have uh, uh, Ricky and Chris and whoever it is that you get at number four who could potentially be a game-changing type player. And let me And don't forget, you also have Jim Boylan as your coach. For the next three years. We'll get into that shortly. But let me throw something crazy at you. That could just be so crazy it works. Who's potentially the top free agent point guard. Coming up this year. Kyrie. Oh that's right. Kyrie is the free agent. Okay number two. (laughs) Campbell. Okay. So how about this. Mm. Perhaps Michael Jordan understands that even with Kemba Walker, you're at best a 7-8 seed. So you go to Michael Jordan and you say, hey, we got $20 million to spend. How about this? We give you the number four pick and Chris Dunn, and you can tank it out. Get you a high pick and this year and next, and you give us Kemba Walker and a sign-and-trade. That 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 now that is more enticing, way more enticing than Lonzo. I would I would think very very long and hard about that one. But let me ask you a question though: Do the if the Bulls are trying to get that point guard of the future, so to speak, do they need a player like Kemba? Because Kemba really doesn't. I mean, he's don't get me wrong, he's great, but he's more of a scoring point guard, right? I mean. Not that not that having a scoring point guard point guard is bad, but I don't know. I I I really want John Morant. I ain't even lie to you. It's a part of me that wants John Morant more than Zion. It's a slither, a piece of me that wants John Morant better. Only because this kid got vision that you just can't teach, and he sure. got the he got skills you just can't you can't teach this stuff that this kid can do, man. Um, Westbrook with vision. Oh my God, that's that's insane to me. Uh, but I don't know. I, I feel like, I mean, Kimball would be nice. Don't get me wrong. That's an all star on your team. But <sighs> would you have the same situation you got in Boston, where it's like Kyrie? Kyrie's great, um, but he's more of a scoring point guard. So you got other players that think that they are better than what they really are. Zach Levine, uh, such as. On Boston, uh, uh, what's his name that got drafted last year? Well, Jason Tatum. You got Jason Tatum who thinks he's better than what he sh- what, what uh, than what he really is. So maybe they want the ball more. You know, I don't know. I I kind of want a point guard that's a pass first, but I I kind of like, like that idea. I ain't gonna lie. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, you, this is. I mean, this is considering you're losing out on the potential for John Morant. So that's that's off the board. I would love John Morant too, especially as a fit on this team. I mean, ideally you get Zion, but John Morant would not be a bad, you know, number two option. Um, but all things considered, when you're considering you're not going to get John Morant, if I'm faced with Darius Garland, who, you know, Jordan likes and I'm okay with, but you want Kimball Walker? You want Darius Garland? So, 
Yeah, give me Kemba. Yeah. I hate I, I'm gonna be honest with you. There's part of me that just hates giving up a draft pick that high with the potential to be either good or better than someone who's who is, yes, established, but they they themselves have not done anything. Like you look at a Dame Lillard, Dame Lillard, as great as he is, they they haven't done anything. Kemba, as great as he is, hasn't done anything. I I would like I like potential. I like starting from the bottom with someone that you can you can see possibly blossom into something that will be great and that probably could be a better piece for your team down the road like with what Calvin was saying with uh John Moran or uh Alonzo Ball the way he sees Lonzo probably being a great fit here and giving up that number 4 pick for him I could I I just I have a hard time just giving up a top pick you know, and then looking at that pick blossom somewhere else and now thinking to myself, man, what if? What if we had that piece on this team? What, what, where would we be? Would we be set up better? Would, be, would we be in a better position to win? Would we be talking about more title runs? Would we be talking about championships already? I, I just have a hard time giving up draft picks so easily. I don't know. I, I, I look at it from this standpoint, though, man. I mean, everybody is saying that this is a weak draft. It's a top, top, top heavy draft. I mean, if if really, realistically, out of everybody that's in this draft, there's only three potential all-stars is what people are saying. Cam Reddish used to be making it four, but, you know, Cam is so wishy-washy, you don't know what he's going to be. But you really get three confidentially three, – three players that you can confidently say will be all-stars. I, outside of that, man, I mean, I, I, I've seen a couple of games of Darius Garland. I haven't seen a whole lot, uh, so I can't comment too much on him. Um, he only but, played a few games. He only played a few games because he got hurt. But, I mean, think about Kyrie. Kyrie only played a few games, and he, he went number one, and now look at him. Yeah, but you knew Kyrie was going to be the number one pick. You knew he was going to be that dog. Like, he he, he just got otherworldly talent. That you, you know, once again, you can't teach some of the stuff, you know, that he does. But, but Kyrie does miss 20 games a year. I mean, every year. I mean, it, it was a foreshadow of things to come. So not not knocking Kyrie's talent, but, you know, when you got a guy, he's only giving you 65 games a year. You know, you can't, you can't, and I'm not saying you guys, but you can't jump on the Kyrie train. You know, and then and then get off the Derrick Rose train because Derrick Rose, you know, he missed some games, but at one time he was giving you sixty games a year, and people were getting upset. So you can't say, "Well, Kyrie, you know, Kyrie only gives you sixty-five games a year." Yeah, good old D Rose. So you got you also got a, a you know an injury-prone guy apparently in Garland. Hopefully, it doesn't last forever. I want you want any of these young guys to have a lengthy career, but. You know, that's a gamble too in itself when you're picking up an injured player, unless yeah. you know they're dropping like Porter did last year. Yeah. You know, would you would you would you take a risk on uh, Cam Reddish? No, no. Cam Cam showed me what he would do if now he he could have been stunted by having that talent around him. What do you what do you think is going to happen when he gets to the NBA? You're gonna have a team full of guys who are just as talented, if not more, than you. So, I mean, so what do you think is gonna happen? Mm. 
But we can get on. We can dwell on the draft a little more down the road. Uh, We brought up Derrick Rose. We're going to touch briefly on the Pooh documentary that was on stadium television. Uh, Did you both see it? Absolutely. Classic. You already know. I, I, I was front and center at that. Watched it on the phone. Yeah, it was a very good documentary. They're still going to be airing it, I think, for the next few days. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. You can download the stadium app on your phone. Also, if you have a smart TV or the Roku or Fire Stick, you can also get the stadium app and watch it there. You want to get that full screen action. But a very good doc. It was good, man. It was real good. You saw the ups and downs of his career. You saw the question marks. You saw the missteps and the corrections. You saw why Derrick Rose was so uh, in lockstep with his brother, uh, which proved to be, in some cases, to his detriment, in many cases, to his benefit. And you saw the, the pain and the struggle because you saw the, and it play out in live time, real time, the trade to the Knicks. That yeah. was gripping. That grip was heavy. There, man. That was heavy. I had a tear. <laughs> I had a tear come down. You saw from start to, to, to present the whole story of Derrick Rose play out. He even addressed in, in, in a brief the uh, allegations of the sexual assault. So, you know, he, he left no stone unturned. It's not a whole lot of questions left about the life and time of Derrick Rose. Yeah, he's just a player, man, that's misunderstood. And that's that's really what it boils down to, a person that doesn't really know how to truly express himself. So he says things that comes off as dumb, you know, but it ain't what he really means. Um, but I, I think this is all setting it up for him to come back to Chicago, man. And, of course, I'm, you know, yeah, you could say I'm saying it because I'm a Bulls fan and also I'm also a Derrick Rose fan. That is all true. But think about it. Stadium produced this video, right? Who owns Stadium? Ron oh, has Docking Stadium. Yeah. They filmed the pregame of the, the documentary before the documentary aired. They filmed the pregame inside the United Center with Tom Thibodeau uh, Derek Rose's uh, college coach and uh, Shams, and and my thing is this: if they're producing this video, and the whole thing is about him being heard about leaving Chicago, it's it's all it's all going to play into the narrative, and he's going to come back. I think he may come back this year, come as a sixth man. He and then B.J. Armstrong made his rounds to talk about the documentary, and he was all up and down Chicago. Now B.J. wasn't in any any other city. That's the crazy part, right? He wasn't in any other city uh, promoting this video, but he was in Chicago all last week promoting this video with every news station that listened to him. And all they kept asking him was, "Do you would your client be open to coming back to the Bulls? And he kept saying that Derrick Rose definitely will listen. And he definitely wants to. I think he definitely wants to come back. And he's cool with being six man. So I'm going to say something that's going to get on you guys' bad side. Give it to me. There's a larger portion of me that does not want Derrick Rose to come back. Why not? 
couple reasons. One, I want him to get a championship. I want him to go somewhere where he can contribute to a championship team, and this ain't it. Two, the <laughs> pressures that he had to deal with in Chicago with the fandom, and we saw a lot of it in, a lot of it in the documentary. Uh, we saw Vincent Goodwill point out to even some of the sociopolitical aspects of it. Um, that hasn't gone anywhere. It hasn't gone anywhere. This town is still somewhat divided. Yeah, the documentary, you know, it went over well and people were highly interested. But you still have a lot of people in the demographic that hated him, that still hate him. And the people that love them still love them. Love them. So, I mean, uh, maybe some here or there, but it wasn't a heavy amount, in my opinion, minds that were changed about Derrick Rose. He's still but you know what, Chris? I'll say this, though. Things have changed, right? Because when Derrick Rose left the Bulls, the idea was he was one of your top two or your top franchise player. He Everything relied upon him. Now the game has changed. Derrick Rose could be a contributor to a decent team. Or, like you said, I actually do like the idea of Derrick Rose going to a team and competing for a title. I honestly do, just because I'm a fan of him, honestly. Uh, but I'm also a fan of the idea that he can come to the Bulls because he can mentor these young guys. Think about what Paxson said. Paxson pretty much said that Chris Dunn is trash. That's what he was saying in the press conference. Chris Dunn is garbage. He needs to step it up. <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. We need to get better at that position. He didn't talk about nobody else's spot, but Chris Dunn needs to get better. He said we need veteran leadership. So my thinking is that he's going to go for Derek. Gross. There's there's talks about potentially Patrick Beverly, which I think Derrick Rose is better than Pat Beverly. Uh, yeah. Ricky Rubio, I think D Rose is better than him. And all these, and, and my thing is Derrick Rose don't even have to be your starter. He can come off the bench, and especially if we get John Morant, he can mentor John Morant. He mentored Big Cat. He mentored Carl uh, Anthony Towns. And then I don't know if y'all seen it. But uh, they was interviewing the players in the locker room on the last uh, day of the season, and all the Bulls players were saying how they would love to have Derrick Rose on the team. And that, that's great. I'm a Derrick Rose fan, man. You know, I, I again, I love the doc. I love the way Derrick played, even this year. You know, for Minnesota, I was rooting for him. In that rooting for him and wanting to see great things happen for him, I just don't think this is it. He, What's gonna happen? I don't think the, I, what's what's I, gonna happen the first time Derrick Rose misses three games for an injury? Well, it's not going to be the same as as when he was here and he was a starter and everything relied upon him. Like Calvin was saying, I think that because he knows his role now and you know he could probably be okay with taking a back seat and being a backup and being the mentor that he is. If we get a John Morant, obviously John Morant's going to start. And if Derek comes here, he's obviously going to be the backup. He's going to be the bench player, the role player. So him missing three games is not going to be as impactful to the team as a whole as him missing three games when he was the MVP of the league, when he was in his prime, when he was athletic and too fast, too good, too strong. So that's not going to be as big of a deal if Derek just needs some time off. Okay, Derek, cool. We got Ja. We got Archie Diacono or Shaq Harrison, whoever the backup's going to be to the backup. Like, they have a plan and in, in, in action for that. So if that those chips fall like that, where Derek comes and then we do get a Ja, then that, 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 that works out perfectly. If you bring Derek Rose back, you better not have no Shaq Harrison on this team. 
<laughs> I like Archie Diakono. Uh, I, I think he's a poor man's Kirk Heinrich. I think he gives his all, and that's what we need. We need somebody who can give their all. And, hey, if if Chris Dunn stays on the squad, keep Chris Dunn as a third backup in an ideal Sp- world. Emo Spider-Man. I, I like uh, archaeology. <laughs> that's right. But I while like, we're, uh, I like Walt Lemon, too, man. Oh, right. I forgot about yeah, yeah. Walt Lemon. I keep yeah, Walt right. Lemon. Okay, okay, okay. We can stop now. So while we're on the Bulls, let's talk about the press conference from John Apparently Packer. he doesn't like Walt Lemon. <laughs> There's a reason Walt Lemon didn't get to the NBA until the end of the year. So let's talk about... I dare. John <laughs> had a, a press conference at season's end some of the season. And even your phone doesn't like Walt Lemon to sum up the season. And he said some things that you may like, some things you may not. Uh, did you guys get a glimpse of that, that press conference? Or hear some sound bites from it? Yeah, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear it. What, what, what was the case? A, good, a majority of the sound from the press conference was John Paxson pretty much blaming the players for not being healthy. Hmm. It's it, it's a continuing. It's it is a yeah. It is That's happened for a while. It is a painful continuing narrative that they like to spin. Oh, if we're all healthy, if we're perfect, then yeah, we'll be we'll be in a better spot. Every team is is unhealthy. Every yes. team is hurt. Every team plays hurt throughout the year and, and miss time. Heck. Toronto had a uh, a plan for Kawhi Leonard to only play sixty games, and right. they still the top two team. It's it's a, it's it is a dried up, tired excuse that I am so tired of hearing from John Paxson, Dark Foreman. The Bulls need to change leadership. The fact that you can sit there and say, "I see Jim Boylan as this great coach. We're going to give him a three year extension potentially." Why? You haven't even let this guy prove it yet. Three years? Come on, man. Like, it blows me to no end that they continually, like, ignore the obvious and try to spin it as it's not their fault. And because the Bulls run things like a mom-and-pop shop and everybody is just family and hugs and kisses, they're not going nowhere. Yeah, I yeah mean, we, we hear that all the time. Consider, too, that the blame isn't being placed on the medical staff. So you've had significant injury problems for the past few years, significant to significant players. And you can't say, well, we didn't we didn't know that Denzel would be out all year. Well, Denzel was misdiagnosed. That's why you didn't know. Well, we didn't know what was going to happen to to Wendell. Wendell was misdiagnosed. A lot of your players that went down with injuries, they were misdiagnosed this year. They were told that they, well, they'll play in a, in a couple of games time. Oh, well, it's going to be a week. Well, it's going to be the season. Well, it's not going to be the season. Ah, it's going to be the season. How many times do we hear that or, or some form of that throughout the year with starting players on this team? And yet no one in the organization wants to call into question or into accountability the training or, or medical staff for the Chicago Bulls. 
And it's one of two things. So one, either your training staff is subpar because your guys keep getting hurt and they're not getting the right medical and diet advice because they all can't be eating terribly. And if they're all eating terribly, whose fault is that? The training staff. Or the guys that you drafted don't have the makeup to mm-hmm. keep themselves healthy and it falls at your feet again. Mm-hmm. You managed to take none of this blame. None of it. It's, it's the player's fault, not yours, for not seeing that they had these issues. Or it's the player's fault, not the training staff, for misdiagnosing and not doing the corrective and preventive maintenance that the players need. Which is it? And then they took credit for Lowry Markin and, you know, him bulking up this year. He did that overseas. Yeah. So take yeah, credit yeah. for that. And then the, the piece de resistance. We're really <laughs> considering giving Jim Boylan a three-year extension. What has he proven? And yeah, he's going to get $3 million a year for with, with some incentives. But what has he proven? What has he shown you? The best bet for them would have been to wait until the draft lottery. And maybe they're still doing it, but the information's leaked already. But the best bet would have been to wait for the draft lottery, see what pick you get. You think if the Chicago Bulls would have gotten the number one or two pick that the stock on that coaching job wouldn't have went through the ceiling? Yeah. You think coaches out there would have been chomping at the bit to coach a John Morant, a Zion Williamson, in combination with some of the young talent you do have on this team? Luke Walton, yeah. Luke Walton got fired. He's out there. Dave Yeager got fired. He was out there. You still have some up-and-coming prospects that have been interviewed by the Cavaliers and the Lakers. You know, Larry Drew's out there. Juwan Howard's being interviewed. You got guys out there who are hot commodities, hot names in the, in the coaching community, and you close yourself out to it. Again, as Calvin said, playing yourself like a mom and pop, small market ideas, by saying, you know what, we're going to stick with this guy who's shown you nothing. Your numbers actually got worse when he took over as coach. Defensively, which he yep. was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the defensive guy. Right. Boy, leaves and you get worse defensively? I don't see how that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, that's part of the frustration, right? You, like, you get rid of Tom Thibodeau because he's too tough. You get Hoiberg because he's nice. You get rid of Hoiberg because he's too nice. You take Boylan because he's a drill sergeant. And it's like, what do you want? Like, we don't know what they want. They, there's no that's the plan. That's the problem. There's no plan. There is no definitive plan. Like, what do you want to do? Like, draw out a plan and let's say this is our plan. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to execute it. This is why we need to carry this plan out. No, the Bulls say, you know what? Uh, we need toughness. We need guys to be tough. But it's, you know, hey, you know, the players got injured, and that's the reason why we failed the season is because they got injury. Like, going with the confusing, conflicting, contradicting statements, man. Like, what do you want? They don't know what. Oh, we're going to get younger and more athletic. Come on, Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo. Like, <laughs> they told us what they wanted a coach. If you listen to the press conference, 
John Paxson said this, and this let me know what they really want in the coach. This let me know why Jim Boylan is still employed in that organization. It was said this, Jim Boylan has communicated with us more than any coach we've ever hired. Jim Boylan, more than any other coach we've ever dealt with, is open to suggestions, open to our communication. You know what that means? We have that more means- input in this team than we've ever had. Yeah. Yep. That, that 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 makes sense. Yeah. So so in an organization that always runs like that, that wants a common thread, that wants always to be meddling and involved in everything, to get credit for everything, in a fragile emotional climate, you want a guy that's gonna listen to everything you say. You want a guy that's gonna let you just walk into the office. You know what I think. Oh, tell me. <laughs> As opposed to saying, uh, that's great. Let me run my team. That's it. Right. That was Thibodeau. That's that's the point. And that's and 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 when you got a guy that is a head honcho like Thibodeau, who ain't taking who wants things to be ran the way he run it, even though he was successful and took the Bulls to the playoffs every year, they said, Oh no, we can't have that. You're not a pushover. We're gonna hire Hoiberg. He's a pushover. Or you know what? When Vinny Del Negro was doing whatever it is that he was doing, John Paxson didn't like what Vinny did, so he went and punched him. Like, so maybe maybe that's the point. Maybe that's what it is. They want a sucker. They want somebody to do what they say and follow by the rules, stay in his lane, coach the team, but listen to our coaching, even though we're not coaches. Yeah. Hoiberg started to give pushback. Vinny Del Negro started to give pushback. And that's when things started to fall apart. Yeah. We're just going to wait for the time when Jim Boylan starts to push back. And then they'll paint the narrative that, you know, he never really got along with the players and uh, they never saw eye to eye and there was never really any connection. Something will be spun to get rid of the guy that you no longer get to manipulate. We'll see what happens. I think that is the good narrative. That is the narrative of everybody that's kind of came through these these doors at the United Center, I, I we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, the thing is, the the Bulls do a decent job at drafting and bringing some guys. And I'm not gonna say they do a great job. There's somewhere in the middle of the road when it comes to drafting. They just don't do well in free agency, and they usually get old, washed up guys. They don't do the best job of talent evaluation. They just have done a great job of falling backwards into guys, but. We'll we'll see what happens. I want this team to be great, man. This team deserves, this this city and this organization in general, representing the market and the city that they're in, deserves some greatness. They deserve some greatness. They don't don't need the the organizational operations that that are taking place right now. You know, the, the whole small market ideas and small market thinking or big market organization. You, you don't need that. Moving on to the NBA playoffs. We're already one day in, or really two days in. Um, by the time this comes out, it'll be a couple more days in. But uh, two days in, and just about everybody has played. And early mm-hmm. returns saw a couple uh, game one steals on Saturday. So uh, what are your early thoughts, fellas? I gotta be honest, man. That Brooklyn Philly series, uh, it uh, it, it looks like 
that's going to be a good one. Like we talked about with D'Angelo Russell leaving L.A. and kind of blossoming a little bit more. That man is the truth. He is definitely Iceman. Uh, that team kind of just came out of the depths of the, the darkness. And they're a fun team, kind of like a college squad where they just root for each other. You can never underestimate team chemistry and wanting to play for your, your brother that's next to you on your squad. So I really like the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, came out of there with a dub. Uh, kind of shocked about Orlando over Toronto. That really shocked me. That surprised me. Um, DJ Augustine, he did his best impression of <laughs> being the best point guard in the league for a day. Uh, I thought that that was a really, really interesting game. But, uh, you know, things kind of always balance themselves out. I don't expect Brooklyn to win out. But uh, I think that they're going to make it interesting. And who knows? They might make it as interesting as getting to Game 7. We'll, we'll see. And when you get to Game 7, anything's possible. Uh, I think Toronto in itself is going to take care of Orlando. They're going <laughs> to play the best version of basketball, especially being down now. And, uh, yeah, those two. I'll, j- I'll just start off with those two and see what you all think. Playoff Lowry is back. <laughs> yeah, no points. Kyle Lowry with the big goose egg on Saturday, and DJ. You know what was interesting to me? The the two big stars in the Eastern Conference yesterday were two Bulls cast off point guards. Spencer oh, Dinwiddie God. had a great game oh, against the Three. Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Yep. Oh, who's the other? MCW. Yeah, he did. MCW has has carved out a nice little role. He has. Yeah, but but DJ Augustine was the killer yesterday. Oh yeah, DJ Augustine, former bull. Yeah, you got a lot of former bulls. Yeah, ten points. uh, Michael Carter gave you what? Ten points, five rebounds, and two assists off the bench in six and eighteen minutes. That's a solid line. That's yep. a solid yeah, not bad. Not bad. No, but like, like you said, I don't know, though, that Brooklyn series, we didn't know how serious the MB situation was. This might be a real issue, him being out. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing that it's, it's not as, as good as they were trying to play it out to be. Joel MB could miss some substantial time or be substantially ineffective, and that mm-hmm. just opens the door for Jimmy to do what he did yesterday, give you 30 points. Zero, Zero assists, <laughs> not a thought about passing, nothing. <laughs> In a loss. That's the leader. Meanwhile, the leader is leading you to the loss column. <laughs> meanwhile, getting torched by whatever Brooklyn guard he's guarding. Yeah. I think that's your upset right there. If I was to pick my bracket, if I was to pick my bracket for this first round in the East, I'm taking Brooklyn over Philly. Toronto's going to beat Orlando. Yes. Uh, Boston is going to handle business. And what's the other one? Yeah. What's the yeah, other the, one? Indiana's oh, been doing things. Yeah, that's not even close. Yeah. Indiana's been doing things with smoke and mirrors without Oladipo. Um, I've always been a, pro- a prescriber to it's a different ball game when you're staring at the same guys for two weeks and 
Boston's going to, like you said, they're going to handle their business against Indiana. There's not going to be any smoke and mirrors. There's not going to be, you know, any off nights, any, you know, the matchups are set. They know what they want to do. You're going to eat, sleep, and breathe the Indiana Pacers for the next two weeks. So they're going to do away with them. But that Brooklyn-Philly series does line up to be an upset, especially if MB can't perform. And your number one scoring option becomes Jimmy Butler, who, again, will lead you to a first-round exit. Man, what has been Simmons, man? It don't look like... I was watching that game yesterday, man. Uh, it just seems like he pushes the ball up the floor, and then the the paint is crowded, and he slows down at the top of the key, and he pulls it back out, and he passes the ball. That happened almost all game yesterday. This dude needs to develop a jump shot quick, quick, because they just sag, they just sagging back off of him like okay yeah push the ball up the court you big you strong just push the ball up the court and and now like you said a team is going to play you for the next week and a half two weeks they got time to scout you and time to just focus in on you and that's why the playoffs are so much different than the regular season you can game plan for every individual on that team and they're going to shut down Ben Simmons and it was a lot of times he brought the ball to the floor passed it around, the ball went to Embiid, and Ben Simmons would go in the position of a power forward and be in the paint just waiting for the double team. But that happened all game. I'm like, man, they they about to expose Philly. Yeah, that that that's that's kind of how teams used to play Rondo. When you know a person doesn't have a certain skill set or they can't shoot or they haven't proven anything in that department, yeah, you take away their their, their strength. You give them their weakness and take away their strength. So, yeah, that's that's the now Philly has to fight back and figure out how are they going to combat that. Are they going to, uh, you know, change up their game plan? You know, so we, we, we'll see. That That is a good strategy, though. Yeah, Barondo used to be able to make your 18-footer every so often. Ben Simmons, he knows if he's outside that paint, it is going to be a nightmarish conclusion if he pulls up for a J. Curtains. It is curtains. But, yeah, so we got, a, we got an exciting NBA first round lined up. Again, you have some matchups with some, with some teams. Uh, you hone in on each other and you start to see some things exposed. But you only one game in. And we'll see what is going to happen. Who do you think is the uh, – go ahead. No, go ahead, Cal. I was going to say, who do you think is – who do you think is the upset for the West? I'm a I'm gonna go OKC, which is not really an upset, even though they did lose today to Portland. I'ma still go OKC if Paul George is healthy. If he's healthy. If he's not, then that's not an upset and they're not gonna win. If if Enos Cantor plays like he's playing, you may not miss Nurkic. Mm-hmm. I mean, he in his cancer is not as much of a presence defensively. He, but he does, yeah, he does. He does give you a, a counteraction to Stephen Adams. You know, they used to to battle each other when they were both on the same team. So he, you know, they have knowledge of each other. But if Enos Cantor yeah. can come there and, and and ball out for a week and a half, uh, you might see Portland pull that one out. Initially, I thought OKC okay, was going to win that one pretty easily. But one thing I'll say is 
Dame plays best with a chip on his shoulder. Yes, he does. He's really got a chip on his shoulder against Russ because Russ has been talking big talk all year. So, Dame play with some rage and some anger. Enos Kant is going to be the key to that series. As he goes, I think, is the direction that series goes. The Spurs thing, that ain't going to last. The Nuggets are going to beat the Spurs. Everything's I don't know, man. I, I, think I think the experience of the Spurs is going to triumph over Denver. What experience? I yeah, I don't, under, I, don't, I don't ever uh, uh, underestimate uh, the Spurs. You're talking about an all-time great coach, and then DeMar DeRozan is playoff-tested. Uh, you got uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, who's play- playoff tested. You got some really good pieces on that team that are really good aged veterans that still know how to do what they do. So I- I- I'm with you. I think experience plays out over youth and inexperience. You know, Denver is going to get a taste of what it's going to be like to be in a-, a playoff setting and being a top pick in that playoff matchup, but uh, or-, or a top seeding in that playoff matchup. But uh I, I just can't underestimate the Spurs because I used to underestimate the Spurs back when they were the Spurs and when it was Tim and Manu and Tony and they would still come out on top. Like, I can't do that anymore. I can't underestimate the Spurs. Here's the thing. DeMar DeRozan has had playoff tests and he's failed them. And I know Popovich is, is, is in his head and he's got him ready for some things. And I, you know, I'm I'm in that camp that thinks Greg Popovich is one of the two or three, if not the greatest coach ever. But there's just too much talent on the other side. And Paul Millsap is going to be a, a veteran force on that team. So where he can he has a little taste of the playoffs from Utah or from Atlanta. And he can kind of settle those young guys down and at least get them to the second round. I just don't think the Spurs have enough. Now, I won't be shocked if they do pull the upset, but I just don't think they have enough. Yeah, outside of that, though, if, if uh, the Spurs don't do it, I really don't see any other upset in the West. Honestly, I think Portland going to win that series. Uh, and the other two series ain't even close. It's going to be Houston. It's going to be Golden State in the second round. But I I, uh, I think Portland's going to win the series. And like you said, Dang got a chip on his shoulder, man. He got something to prove. This man is pulling up from the logo on a regular today. I think Portland pulls that one out. And then when things get when things get a little sticky, old playoff rust comes out. Yep. I'm gonna shoot, 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 shoot. If there's a bad shot, I'm gonna take it and I'm gonna miss it while I left. Let me ask you something though. Let me ask y'all something. Do you feel like <clears throat> do you feel like the playoffs is missing something? No. There's a oh, guy well. in the NBA who's not playing in the playoffs. LeBron. Do you, do you think the league misses it? Do you think it you know, is it like a whole hum like, ah, it's just the playoffs? Like, does LeBron make that much of a difference if he's not in the playoffs? I think the first round is filled with the drama of is LeBron going to lose in this round or is he going to carry his team, uh, his team of eight players over the other team's team of five? Is that going to happen? And you do, you do miss that. But overall, man, I mean, you mean to tell me you're not going to turn your TV on to watch Giannis in the playoffs? 
You mean to tell me you're not going to turn your TV on to to indulge your love hate relationship with James Harden in the playoffs? You're not going to turn your TV on to to see Doc Rivers uh, cry and moan as his team loses to the Golden State Warriors. You know, the upstart Denver Nuggets. Jokic is one of the most exciting players in basketball. I'm watching that, man. Yeah, but see, you're you're a basketball purist. What about your casual fan? I mean, that's what's going to drive. And I'm, I'm talking from purely a number standpoint in terms of ratings for the NBA. Uh, I, I feel like not having LeBron in the playoffs is going to hurt a, a lot, I think, because the rest of the teams can be arguably forgetful. I mean, for, forgettable. I mean, yeah, you're going to be interested in Golden State, but they're going to sweep through their first-round matchup. Giannis, but he's going to sweep through – the Bucks are going to sweep through that first-round matchup. And like you said, the biggest intrigue about LeBron is will will somebody take LeBron out? Everybody wants to see LeBron lose. And But the other know, half of that was – the people who won, who didn't want to see LeBron lose wanted to see Golden State lose. So now it's just, let's see who beats Golden State. So you're going to have that intrigue one way or the other. You know, when when Mike left, yeah, it, it was a little bit of a, a low, but you still watch the playoffs because the younger guys just came in and, and started to evolve as players. So at some point, you had to be ready for this. This is going to happen. So you hope Golden State kind of carries the torch as far as viewership goes after the first round, especially. So you just need to create some some back and forth in the first round. I think we've seen that. We've seen a good job of that. We saw some exciting games day one, day two, some exciting games, a couple upsets. So when those things happen, it, it draws some people in. And you just got to the NBA has to learn how to market these younger guys, man. You have to market these young guys. You have a, a truckload of guys you could be marketing right now. Tell us how great James Harden's year was so we can watch that. Tell us that, you know, he has the highest scoring average since Jordan or Kobe. You know, tell us that. Market Donovan Mitchell. You know, let's see, you know, and they're doing a good job of this. The Joel Embiid's and the Giannis's and the Dane Lillard's, especially with the Hulu thing. But let's see more of that. You know, where we get to know the new stars of the league because you had to prepare for LeBron not being around anyway. Yeah, that's that torch is past the Steph. I think Steph is the likely uh, candidate to take over because uh, he's like the most popular player in the league outside of LeBron. That's who you market around. But that's who your casual fan is following right now. Steph Curry, Golden State Warriors. Just want to throw this in real quick. And I know Jordan would, is thrilled to hear this about Elo Jimenez. Shout out to the White Sox rookie Elo Jimenez, one of the top prospects in baseball. Had a two-homer yes. night against the Yankees. Yes, sir. Uh, that's good stuff. The White Sox are hitting. They just can't pitch. And the same <laughs> is true of the Cubs. So we'll see how this continues to play out. But we're not going to dwell on baseball. We're going to get into <laughs> our fame segment, the Grub Report, our most popular segment. And since Calvin is a guest around these parts, we'll start with Calvin. What you got for our group? Right, <clears throat> so listen, I really don't 
have a restaurant this week only because I haven't really been anywhere. <laughs> I've been I've been working like a Hebrew, but I ain't got no money. So there you have it. But we, me and the wife kind of got this interesting idea. We love OG. Well, for those who don't know what OG is, it's Olive Garden. And uh, she loves the chicken scampi. So we went ahead and got the ingredients, you know, mixed it up, made the sauce just the way how they did the Olive Garden, and it turned out the best. Yes, it was mother tasty. So, yeah, we have some home cooking. I'm always for the home version, the home edition of some restaurant food. You know, it's, I'm always for that. As a matter of fact, uh, much like yourself, Calvin, I'm going to dive into some home cooking. It's not quite something I made, but it's uh, more of a shout out. And this shout out goes to my boy, Chef DeMarco. He's doing his thing out there, man. Uh, follow him if you can on Instagram. DeMarco, Marco is, is putting together some some delectable delights. Yeah. Just his Instagram page alone will cause you to gain several calories. Uh, <laughs> we had a, uh, a function for me and my daughter that we attended, and uh, Marco was the caterer, and he had some skirt steak, some jerk chicken, some Italian sausage, that I think he oh. made Caribbean style. Oh and my he, god! As as they as they say down south, he put his foot in it, man. So shut <laughs> the market. Big foot in that. His, his big my, mama say you got to put your drawers in it. He put your toes in it. He, he did his thing, man. And then the, the sides were on point. Homemade salsas and and au jus and marinades. And he did his thing, man. So you know, I'm gonna try to get this this episode out to Marco. I think he listens, but if not, I'm going to definitely try to get it out to him. Marco, you did the same. You know, keep up the good work. And you have been officially, officially represented on the Stay Eyes podcast Grub Report. That makes you more official than any other podcast to rep you. <laughs> Amen. That's right. What you got, Jordan? Oh, what? man. What do you have? I'm back with some delicious delights. I know, you know, every time we've been we've been doing this for a couple of weeks now, and I've had some 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 fails, man. I know I haven't really gone all over the place and been to some new spots, but today, ooh, today, it's a spot. If you're on the west side of Chicago, the the semi north, well, not northwest side. It's like middle uh, west side, fifty nine forty four West Lake Street. There is a hole-in-the-wall soul food joint called Chef Daddy's. Chef Daddy's is that spot. I just happened to stumble upon it. I GPS. You know, I was in the area working, as I always am. And I'm like, okay, what can I get in over here for the cheap? So I went in there. It literally is the tiniest little restaurant, little soul food restaurant. You got like four or five black guys just running around with... Uh, spatulas and spoons and, and pots and pans all in the back and they making all type of soul food you got greens, you got cornbread, macaroni baked chicken, fried chicken catfish, anything in there that soul food they got uh, I had a combo for $4.99 and so I'm thinking like okay that's not bad, that's a very reasonable price, uh, I'm, I'm not expecting a lot, bro 
when they gave me my food, I ordered baked chicken, one piece of, of really, really good moist cornbread, a order of macaroni and cheese, a order of mashed potatoes. I was completely full. $4.99 combo. That's an everyday combo for $4.99. And of course, with tax, so it comes out to about like maybe I think $5.45, $5.50. But I'm going to post a picture soon on, on Instagram uh, on my own personal page of what it is that I got. So you all can just see just how much food I got for that little of a price. Go to Chef Daddy's. You will not be disappointed. 5944 West Lake Street. It does the body good. If you in, if you just have, have a taste for some good soul food, good home cooking, you will not be disappointed. Chef Daddy's, baby. That's what's up, man. Sounds good. Bring that soul food vibe to the Stay House podcast. Could always use that. Chef Daddy's. Post that picture immediately. <laughs> I will. <laughs> that sounds good. For those who may be interested uh, we here at the Stay House Podcast have initiated the Tournament of Disappointment bracket uh, where we dive into some of Chicago's most disappointing athletes. We broke it into four categories. We have the Bulls, the Bears, baseball, a combination of Cubs and Sox, and we also have homegrown talent. The first round is complete. Uh, we won't divulge the results just yet due to time constraints on our show. Uh, but in the coming episodes, we will just cover the entire bracket and get into some details on that. We thank everybody for the support you've been giving us yeah. on social media and the chats, getting a lot yeah. of feedback and a lot of feedback from people, uh, getting to some some little uh, chirps and arguments with people. And that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. We we welcome that, man. That's like what that. this is all about. It's fun. It's about discussion. It's about uh, opening up some talks and seeing what people know and believe, especially with the homegrown talent. You get a lot of guys who grew up with some of these athletes. They're like, man, that's my dude. You know, I ain't. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, they're they not as effective as we thought they were going to be. I rooted for them, too. But they ended up not being as effective as we thought. It's not a bracket of failure. It's just disappointment as far as what we thought you were going to be and what you ended up being. Doesn't mean your life's mm. a failure. For instance, you take somebody who was in the bracket like D. Brown. D. Brown has a lot of accomplishments. He did went overseas and accomplished some things, and now he's back in the Chicagoland area as an assistant coach, I do believe, for UIC. So, you know, D. Brown's doing yeah. his thing. Yeah. But, you know, he, we all... We he's kinda, on the street. <laughs> right, he ain't on the street. I mean, this ain't like... You know, homeless tournaments. You're not watching, you know, <laughs> bombs hoop. It's the same, you know. We thought D was going to have, a you know, a few years of an NBA career, and it just never panned out. That's that's fine. D Brown still has probably a better life than I'll ever have. But, you know, well, you ain't in the NBA. So, there's that. So, yeah, stay tuned with the Stay House Podcast. And we'll we'll dive in. There's some uh, homegrown talent, some guys who may not be known. I, I promise that I would get into it. Demetrius Jones was a quarterback who played at Morgan Park. And he was supposed to have been like the next big Notre Dame quarterback. And he went to Notre Dame and it fizzled out. And Jimmy Clausen took his spot and never turned back, man. So a lot of people in the Chicagoland area. We had big hopes for Demetrius Jones, and it just never really panned out. 
He kind yeah. of bounced around some leagues and, and some arena leagues and indoor football leagues. And again, you're talking about a guy who probably has, has sculpted out a, a wonderful existence for himself. He just didn't become what we thought he was going to become. So he goes on to the bracket. But yeah, continue. The second round is going to kick off Monday, maybe Tuesday, but definitely no later than Tuesday. We're going to kick off the second round. And uh, we've had a couple upsets, but everything's pretty much kind of held. But get involved, man. We'll do the Stay Us podcast Instagram page. That's what we've been pushing it through. Uh, a couple of our personal pages. And in the chats, uh, keep on supporting and pushing it out. Continue to follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, at Stay Us Podcast. Follow Calvin where you can. He got his son out here putting a uh, all kinds of plush superheroes out on couches. You know, you got a whole universe on the couch. They got the man. whole universe, bro. Man, he that that Thanos snap didn't affect what was on Calvin's couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. The only three characters that, that was from Marvel was on there. <laughs> that's, an, that's an impressive collection, I must say. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. He got a he got a new Woody toy. So that's why I put the little you got a friend of me music in the background. Yeah, yeah, that was tight. That was tight. You are a great father, Calvin. Thank you, sir. Hey, you know, just living out his dreams to the fullest. That's what he's doing. So you know. She's gonna really appreciate you when he gets older. That's the hope, man. That's the hope. Our kids are gonna write a book. <laughs> I think I think they're collaborating on it already. Hey, you know, hey, we can only hope that they, uh, you know, go on the path we hope they go in, right? I mean, exactly, exactly. You know what you're trying to lead them to. Something real, brother. Something real. Well, we like to thank Calvin for joining us. Have him back yes, sooner sir, than later. You, yes, yes. If you know Calvin's li- living that dream life, you know he's got he's got the. The two cars, the one house, and the one point five kids. <laughs> you know, you need a dog and a picket fence, man. It was all a dream, but it ain't a dream. <laughs> it ain't a dream. So again, we like to thank Calvin for coming out. I'm Chris. You had Jordan with you as well. Yes, sir. Uh, all right now.